Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 right across Australia. Positively different radio, even though we have had <laughs> somewhat of a uh, heavy morning this morning. We have, but it, I think things all lighten up as we go along. I really Hopefully. enjoyed our conversation <laughs> together and getting to know you a little bit more, Christopher. That was definitely a very, very positive story um, hearing about, uh, love to hear about young people who give their lives to God and who have that, op- you know, have that opportunity and take that opportunity to, to share their knowledge with others. Yep, it's good logic. Share okay, it. so quiz. Nobody's nobody's answered our quiz yet, so there's a, we'll put the question out there again. Give us a call on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491064669 if you have the answer. Let's have another clue. Let's go through the last two clues and have another one. All right, so what number am I? This number of men died because they looked into the Ark of the Lord... Clue number two, this is the number of kings with thumbs and big toes cut off who picked up scraps under Adonai Bezek's table. Mm. And our third clue, this is brand new, Jeremiah prophesied that his country would serve the king of Babylon this many years. I've got it. Yep, me too. <laughs> I've, got it. I've got it on clue number three. There we go. First two clues, I'm like, I have, I know these stories, but I... They're quite obscure. Yeah, <laughs> so, Jeremiah though. Yep. yep, I got that one. So okay. make sure to call us in. How long were the Jews prophesied to be in Babylonian captivity for? Yes, great question right there. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843 or 0491-064-669. We have come to our Encounter with God section and we have been talking about, we're going to be talking about the resurrection and I'm going to begin with a passage here. Um, in the Gospel of John because we've actually been talking about what happens when a person dies, which is a really interesting subject. Um, I just want to give a positive spin. Yeah, that's a good idea. (laughs) Yeah. John chapter 5 and verse 28, the Bible says, Marvel not at this, or don't marvel at this, the hour is coming in which everyone that is in the grave will hear his voice. Let's stop there before we read any further. The Bible says the hour or there is a time coming when everybody who is where? Who is in the tombs, in the grave. In the grave. Okay. So not everybody that's in heaven. Not everyone who's in hell either. (laughs) Or in hell, but everyone who's in the grave. So this is good news. Nobody's in hellfire right now. Mm. They're in the grave. That's the Bible's clear on this. Okay. So everyone who who is in the grave will hear his voice and they will come forth. Those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Christopher, can I point out the obvious right here? Go for it. You can't have a resurrection if you're still alive. That is also that is very true. You must that's be impossible. You have to be quite dead. You have yes. to be dead to have a resurrection. Okay, so that's the obvious. So then you've got two options in relationship to what happens when a person dies. Option number one is the immortality of the soul. In other words, you never die. Mm. You go to heaven, you go to hell. But we don't seem to see that there. Option number two is you have a resurrection. Yeah. If you're going to have a resurrection, then you can't have a resurrection if you're still alive. Nobody raised you to life this morning. Not that I know. You woke up from being asleep, but you were still alive. Yes. Okay, so there's a resurrection that takes place here. And the question is, which one does the Bible teach? Does the Bible teach immortality of the soul or does the Bible teach the resurrection? And we noted that there is not a single passage in the Bible that says that the soul or the spirit is immortal. That's a little bit of myth busting for us today. And out of 1,700 references, um, and there is reference after reference after over and over and over and over again. The second coming of Jesus is spoken of over 360 times just in the New Testament. Wow. That's a massive, that's, <laughs> that's a twice lot. as often as, as the subject of of grace. Wow. And, you know, grace is the greatest theme that there is in Scripture because it is the only way by which any person will ever be saved is by grace. Mm. You know, God's unmerited favor that he offers to us. You know what stuck out to me as we were reading through that verse, the, the specific language that John uses here, he says, those who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I began as soon as I read that, I began thinking of the story we looked at yesterday in John 11 with Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls out to Lazarus. And, uh, come forth. Yeah, and it says, come forth. And what does uh, the next verse say? It says, they'll hear his voice and come forth. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same language used here in, the, in these two different passages. So, so what about if you die and you're not in a tomb? 
Oh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm asking you. Tricky. Well, <laughs> see, put you on the spot. Ah, what have you done? Uh, see, I think when it comes to God, right? I don't God, care what you think. I want to know what does the Bible say. All right, says. here we go. Here's, here's what I know. All right. Uh, when God first created uh, human beings, you know, he created Adam, he makes him out of the dust of the ground and then okay. he breathes, li- breathes life into him. And so God, who is this, you know, creator and created uh, humanity, I don't think it's much of a challenge for him to do the same at the resurrection, to uh, recreate those who have passed away, even though they may not be in a tomb specifically. Yes. The, um, yeah, the language used, I think, with tomb is to indicate death. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. very much dead. And as we said before, they're not in heaven, they're not in hell. They are dead, awaiting resurrection. And then, yeah, I'm, God, I'm sure God can get a handle on that. If he made us once, I'm sure he can recreate us again. <laughs> it's... um. You know, the simple reality is that when somebody dies, everybody turns to dust. That's The Bible is clear on that. Mm. And there are fast ways of being turned to dust, and there are slow ways of being turned to dust, but you end up as dust. Yeah. So the slow way of being turned to dust is to be put in an airtight coffin, and eventually you will turn to dust. It will take a long time. Um, the fast way to be turned into dust is to be cremated. Pretty quick. <laughs> or um, eaten by a shark. Yeah, yeah. Um, the simple, the, what, what we can understand this so much easier these days than what we used to be able to understand it because we have because we understand DNA, mm. and when we understand DNA and we see that you're in everything about who you are is all that information is in your DNA. All God needs to do is to keep a record of the information in your DNA to be able to. Resurrect you. All right, I've got he a. He doesn't. Tricky. He doesn't need the actual. He doesn't go around the world. He, uh, you know, <laughs> we, God is molecule. not leaving every molecule that was originally Christopher, putting it all together, and uh, and recreating. Look, I'm happy for him to not use the same molecules as well. I'm happy, I'm happy for some new ones. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right, I've got a bit of a tricky question then. Okay. Um, you referred to the DNA and God putting together, you know, like the the information like that. Mm-hmm. But what about, let's say your personality or like your memories, things which are a bit more non-tangible like DNA, is God able to recreate those at the second coming, do you think? Yes, well, 50 years ago, if we were having this discussion, it would be um, a little bit scientifically beyond us for for us to have understood how God would keep a record of who we are. Mm. At the moment, it is scientifically hard for us to understand how God would um, not just have a record of who we are and everything about who we are through DNA, um, it's hard for us to understand how does he recreate our memories. Yeah, that's the tricky uh, part. And that's just because science hasn't caught up to it yet. Mm. I am so ca- I love science. Yeah, science yeah. is the greatest thing because science is all about discovering and learning about God's creation mm. and the things that God has created. And every time they discover something new, it just blows my mind. You know, DNA is such a cool thing. Uh, my, my, my Probably my most exciting dream would be if they could bring back dinosaurs simply because they can get some viable <laughs> DNA that has all of the information necessary to be able to... Yeah, wouldn't that just be the most amazing thing you ha- You have seen Jurassic Park, right? It, know, does, it doesn't end it well. Gets, it, gets, <laughs> it gets, gets the imagination going. Yeah, right? yeah. It gets the imagination <laughs> going. I just... Let me have my little fantasy. <laughs> I think uh, I always get reminded um, by that quote by Arthur C. Clarke, um, science which we do not yet understand. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll forget Jurassic Park. Okay. I'm a Tasmanian. Tasmanian. Yes. So we want to bring back the tiger. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that's a fair enough. That's yes. fair enough. Let's bring back the tiger. Let's do it. Uh, Let's start there. As I was saying, uh, Arthur C. Clarke says, uh, science which we do not yet understand appears as magic. Mm-hmm. And I think that almost... Yes, that, that's a good statement. Yeah, it, it kind of works in the same way with God, right? Obviously, there's some logic, there's some, you know, God isn't just like, poof, like doing things. There's there's this reasoning that behind all these things, uh, but as you said, science just hasn't caught up to it yet. And so, when we have this perspective where we haven't quite caught up to, well, how's going to God do this? It just kind of looks like magic to us. But man, I'm excited to find out how it's done. I'm excited yeah. to find out the science behind and it. And that's why, and that's why God gave us such, created us with such an inquiring mind. Yeah, you know, human beings find satisfaction and fulfillment through discovery, mm. and science is one of the greatest areas of discovery that we have. And God, you always see throughout the Bible, God keeps asking people questions. Or Jesus, He tells parables. He doesn't tell things straightforward. He wants them. He wants people to think and discover and learn for themselves and experience. Yeah, I think. I think sometimes. Um, people get the impression that Christians are afraid of science. 
It's ex- no, no, man. It's the exact opposite. Christians, you know, the the the, the greatest um, uh, scientist of all time, Sir Isaac Newton, was a a very devout Christian. He wasn't afraid of it. He embraced science and brought us to where we are today. And I'm not sure whether you heard the station ID or not, but I certainly didn't hear the station ID. Did you hear the station ID coming through? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I could have done a little song and dance in that little tent. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, suddenly we know we went off air. But maybe, <laughs> maybe our listeners did hear that. So I hope that you did. Anyway, moving on from there. Um, where are we up to? What are we talking about? Oh, there's another passage I want to, before we get to this. Oh, there's another passage I want to oh, okay. share. This is a really, this is an amazing passage. This was written by um, Paul. Now, of course, Paul was executed for his faith. Um, like most of the early Christians were. And if you go to Second Timothy, he writes this, you know, possibly uh, days, maybe even finishing it hours uh, previous to his execution. He's writing it to Timothy, who was a young man. He was a young pastor. And in Second Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this. It's such great words of hope. In verse 6, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, I'm about to be executed, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And wouldn't it be wonderful if all of us can come to the end of our life and say, yep. Mm. Um, and, of course, every one of us can have that same confidence. Um, when... Uh, um, when we when this comes through, why don't you read for us there, uh, verse eight? There's some things I want to bring out of verse eight. Yeah, Paul says in verse eight, "Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous Judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to but also to all who have loved His appearing." Ah, what a great passage! Okay, before we get to that passage, we have an answer to our quiz. I what? want to give congratulations to Christy from Newcastle. Christy from Newcastle, you're going to be getting an album. A uh, why do I always go blank on the <laughs> a Melissa Otto album? Melissa Otto. Um, well Blue. done. The answer to the quest, the quiz question, is seventy, and it's good to hear one of our local listeners right here. I'm proud. I'm proud. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well done. Congratulations. Okay, getting back to our Bible passage here. And don't forget, if you would like to talk about uh, uh, the subject of death or anything else um, in the Bible, our number is 1-800-324-843. Give us a call or send us something through on the text and we will answer you. We, we could answer your question as, as, the, uh, as the question of the day if you shoot it through for us on a text. So send us a question or give us a call. Okay, where are we up to? Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. We read this passage here. And notice here in this passage, in verse 8, Paul says, there is a crown of righteousness waiting for me. Mm. And for you, and for me, and for Marta sitting out there at the desk. Hey, Marta. And for Rochelle <laughs> out in the other office. There's a crown of righteousness for all of us who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. And that's good news. That's fantastic news. He goes on to say that the righteous judge, the Lord righteous judge, will give it to him at that day. And the question is, well, what day is that? What day is it when the Lord, the righteous judge, gives him that crown? Is it the day that he dies? Oh. No, it's not. Because it goes on and it says, not to me only, but to everyone who Mm. loves his appearing. Indicating it's all done at the same Ah, time. It's all at the same time. That's right. Because the Bible says the trumpet shall sound, the Lord shall descend. We will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's the resurrection right there. That's what we have to look forward to. And this is the good news about death. Death is temporary. Look at that. We uh, we managed to get some good news in here. We got some positivity. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yes. Most assuredly. There is, um, you know, death is one of those things that is separation for a time. Mm. You know, I remember when I was a, a, a young person, I was 12 years old when my mother passed away and my dad reading some of these promises uh, from the Bible to my brother and myself and how much more it came alive when you're facing something real like that. It's like, yeah, this just got really, really real right here. Mm. And uh, and the promises have so much meaning. And, you know, I still look forward to that day when I will be able to introduce my mum to, you know, my wife and my family and her grandchildren and tell her stories and um, catch her up on all the all of the details that she missed out on and then be able to spend eternity together in heaven. She, yeah. was a, she was a very godly woman, my mother. Such a great example she left me. But praise God for that. 
Awesome. Well, Lal, I've... I've, I've been reading through the Bible, and I've got mm. some passages, and maybe some of our listeners at home have encountered some of these passages as well. They're a little bit tricky to answer, so mm. maybe I can consult you for some some wisdom on your part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might remember, <clears throat> pardon me, you might remember when Jesus is on the cross, uh, he has two thieves on either side of him, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they continue arguing. Uh, one of them believes that Jesus you know, is the Son of God, the other one doesn't. And the one who uh, does believe, he says, Lord, remember me uh, in your kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says to him, surely I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, doesn't that sound like as soon as the robber or the, the thief on the cross dies, he's going to join Jesus in paradise? Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, I'm glad you've asked that question. We, have, um, that we, we find that down in verse 43. And it... Um, uh, sorry, chapter 23, verse 43 of Luke. And in verse 43, Jesus said to him, Truly I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is a very simple verse right there. And uh, many people would say, well, that's that's a very crystal clear statement by Jesus Christ that the thief would be saved, number one, and go to heaven that day, number two. Um, we need to look at this in context. And we also need to take into consideration how the New Testament was translated because not every translation in the English language <laughs> translates this passage this way. Yeah, okay. And so I, I just read that out of the King James Version, which is um, uh, it's kind of my favorite. <laughs> I have to admit, I just admitted that line, line don't I? People are like, why do you use the KJV? It's my favorite. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Big fan of the, the fourths, the come fourths, the these and eyes. <laughs> yeah, there's it, such power in this language. It was, it was, a, it was a Bible that was, was written to be read out loud. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah, good. Yeah, it's just amazing. But anyway, um, so... Looking at this particular passage here, what we find is this. The New Testament was translated from Greek. Biblical Greek, in other words, Greek from the biblical era, had no punctuation. Okay, I'm already seeing some. (laughs) It was written in all capital letters with no spaces between the words and no punctuation. Wow. Okay, so for those of you who speak uh, uh, multiple languages and you speak um, Indonesian, so um, you would understand how this works. When you translate from one language to another, you have to do a number of things. Number one, you have to add in and create punctuation. Mm-hmm. And number two, sometimes you have to add in some extra words. There's no extra words added in here in this particular verse. Um, all of the words are there in the original Greek, but the punctuation is entirely added in. And so when it comes to you know, punctuation, the, the translator has to sit down, scratch their head and go, well, I think um, it should be here or it should be there. Let me ask you this. Can you change the meaning of a sentence by changing punctuation? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yes. Um Oh, what is the the classic example? Like you eat at grandma's or you eat grandma, something like that. I, I forget what it okay, is. Okay, here's a, here's a story. This is a good one. This happened uh, about a hundred hundred maybe hundred and twenty years ago. Okay, uh, a woman uh, living in the United States, part of the American aristocracy, very wealthy, does the thing that um, ladies in those days do and goes on a holiday to the Europe. She's in Europe, and while she's in Europe, she sees a dress. She tries it on. It is. Stunningly beautiful. And she wants to buy it, but it's very expensive. It's $3,000. A lot of money back 120 years ago. That's a lot lot of money. money. It's a lot of money. And so because there's so much money, she's like, I better not do this without first asking my husband. They're wealthy people, right? So they can can do this. Mm. So she sends him a telegram. And in the telegram, she is uh, like, she's like, okay, um, you know, beautiful dress, $3,000, can I buy it? Kind of thing. Yeah. Her husband gets the telegram and has a very natural reaction. He just about chokes. He's like, what? A dress for $3,000? How can this be possible? (laughs) So he sends a telegram back. No. Price too high. There's a comma in that, of course, after the word no. Oh, no. The (laughs) The person sending the telegram forgets the comma. Oh, the woman gets no the telegram. No price too high. And it says, no price too high. And oh. she's like, oh, my husband loves me so much. She that goes and buys the dress. That sounds so romantic as well. No price too high. Yes. Anything for you. Anything. Okay, so very quickly coming back to this verse right here. Move the comma and here's what it says. Truly, truly, I say unto you today. In other words, I'm telling you right now. You will be with me in paradise. Uh-huh. You have that guarantee, but it is not today. 
as opposed to I tell you today you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, I see. In context, we know that Jesus promises here that the thief would be with that the promise has two parts. Well, number one, the thief is going to paradise. Number two, he'll be with Jesus in paradise. We know that Jesus did not go to paradise that day because on the resurrection morning, he told Mary he had not been there yet. We're going to listen to scripture lullabies pleasing to you. to scripture lullabies pleasing to you what a wonderful piece of music we had right there makes me feel relaxed just listening to it yeah lullaby i'm falling asleep already yeah. <laughs> i only just woke up 
Okay, so as we get started into this next section, uh, just a, a quick reminder, a couple of things that I wanted to go through with you. If you want to give us a call, talk about uh, the subject we're talking about or any other Bible subject, our open line number is 1-800-324-843 or you can text us on 0491-064-669. And a quick shout out to Kayla who also um, texted in with the quiz question answer being the correct number of 70. Kayla from Warrigal sent an answer in that was 70, but she was um, just, um, Christy was just ahead of her. Ooh, so the girls start. are going for it this morning. <laughs> Fellas, come on, jump on the uh, on, on the line, give us a call, and uh, don't let the uh, the airwaves get dominated by, uh, <laughs> by the ladies this morning. Okay, also just a reminder, if you're listening to the delayed broadcast and you'd like to hear us live, you can do that at faithfm.com.au if you are at home or if you're on the road, use the tuning app. Uh, download it on your phone, run it through your radio in your car. Um, so download TuneIn tune in app and uh, listen to Faith FM Australia. Make sure you get the free version. Okay, where are we up to? We were talking about we were talking about the resurrection before. We were. Yeah, so what are we going to talk about next? So uh, I had this other question as well. We were, we've been looking a lot about the resurrection and the last day, and we just mentioned that the thief on the cross is going to be in heaven with Jesus. Can I bite in for a quick oh, second? Oh, go for it. Yeah, there was one, one other shout-out I was going to give. <gasps> My good friend Hussain. Shout out to Hussain this morning. He listens to the show regularly, so um, sort of give him a shout out. You know how you are. Back to where we were. Back to where we were. I was going to say that with that last little bit, but um, didn't want to forget. No worries. So yeah, we were looking at the resurrection, and I was wondering to myself as well: Will the righteous people? So the righteous, they are resurrected at the last day. Yes. Those who are resurrected, are they ever going to die again? I am so glad you asked. Wouldn't it be kind of sad to go through <laughs> death and resurrection and die again? So we're talking about the righteous here, right? We're talking about the righteous, those who are resurrected yeah. and then taken to heaven then. I couldn't imagine how tragic it would be to have to go through death twice. Twice. <laughs> have mercy. Okay, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, and verse, oh, you know what? I like this whole passage. I'm going to start in verse 2. It says, I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So this is, this is the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, coming down to this earth. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the living place of God is with men. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. What an incredible time to look forward to, mm. to be able to be worshipping God face to face every single day. It goes on in verse 4, And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Mm. This is the most amazing Promise ever. And by the way, I want you to think about it in the context of hellfire. You know, if hellfire lasted forever, that verse can't be true because there's been no more pain. But that's a subject for another day. I'll just throw that out there and see if I can stir somebody up to give me a call. Um, but that's all right. Notice here the Bible says, there will be no more death. Mm. If there will be no more death, then immortality has reigned. Immortality is there. We find it repeated over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Where am I going? I'm going to, where am I in? Is it, <laughs> I think we're past it, I saw. No. Yeah, getting a bit too excited there. Okay, so I flick over here. 1 15. Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And right down to the, the end of this chapter, in the 50s, there's a lot of verses in this chapter. Um Verse 51, I show you a mystery. We will not all sleep. What we will, will all shall be changed. It goes on in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Wow. Immortality is a word that simply means not subject to death. This is eternal life in a world in which it is worthwhile having eternal life. Mm. In this world right here, I don't think worth, uh, eternal life would be worthwhile. <laughs> I think you would see so much pain, so much trouble, so many terrible things over such a long time, you would say, okay, I want it to come to an end eventually. Yeah. You know, we all sort of clutch onto life, but I think that all of us would reach a point where it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I want to, I, I'm ready. I want it to, to end. Yeah. But in a life where there is no sin, there is no pain, there is no suffering. 
There is no crying. The former things, the Bible says, have passed away. Love reigns supreme. And you're never going to be separated from people you love. Yeah, I could live there eternally. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I find most interesting is in First Thessalonians and chapter 4, mm-hmm. uh, Paul writes, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of the command and the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So mm. when Jesus does return and takes everyone, uh, when that process takes place, where Im- yes. the mortal must put on immortality, there are actually those who are righteous who are still alive. There are actually some people who have never encountered or faced death. That has... That's a very small niche of people to be in. Okay, something to aim for though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Hashtag life goals right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I can even talk like a millennial. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, like, what a unique position to be in, to have never experienced death. As in, like, personally, obviously you would have observed it through your, your life yes. here on earth, but to never actually taste death. And the great thing about this passage is that I do believe that for you and I, this is a very real possibility. Yeah. When, you know, we were talking about the signs of Jesus' return and the end of, you know, a world of sin that we see right now. And we see those signs being fulfilled. And we were talking about the uh, the massacre in Florida and, uh, and how accurately the Bible predicts what our world will be like. It really, truly inspires me that Jesus is coming soon. Mm. You know, terrible things ha- do have that silver lining in that they tell us that Jesus is coming soon, and I just pray that he comes soon because I want it to come to an end. I want to see, you know, I want to see that resurrection day. Yeah. I just do. And re- we were talking earlier as well this morning, why is it that every system that humans come up with, we always seem to fail? Mm. Uh, and the problem is, it's run by humans, and mm. humans just have this intrinsic bad nature we have this bad that's why that's why why they're they're inventing um, automatic cars (laughs) it's not a bad idea they try try and take away the human factor and you know airplanes have been driven flown i should say by computers for years yeah yeah and now they just bring that technology and 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 the more airplanes are flown by computers the more it removes the human factor the safer they become Mm. now they're trying to bring it in with cars I don't like the idea myself because I like to drive, but yeah. <laughs> and you can see why they're doing this. Yeah, and you were saying earlier, like, there is no utopia here on Earth. There is no perfect system while we're here because humans have this corrupt nature. And yet, when we go into heaven, we see that the main problem is essentially solved. Uh, it says the former things have passed away, and it's referring to to, uh, to death and to crying and pain. And all of those are essentially symptoms of the bigger problem, which is sin this sinful nature right uh or this you know this bent that we were talking about in humans and so it appears as though at the resurrection when the mortal puts on immortality in that twinkling of an eye that this nature in humans is kind of like bent back into shape something like that. that's right absolutely yeah and so we see that this is the resurrection day is not just a, a day where everyone is restored to life but a day where this problem of uh, Where our nature goes from being selfish to selfless. Yeah, the, and the problem and this is solved. Is, and, this is, and this is what uh, has, has brought about such a problem in the United States we were talking about earlier, where extreme capitalism is extreme selfishness. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to listen to Matt and Josie Minicus at this particular time. Uh, morning Psalm, or Morning Psalm 143. As the parched earth longs for rain My soul thirsts for you Do not turn me away, Lord I'm reaching out for you I'm longing for you And your mercy 
Welcome back to Faith FM, you're with Neil And today we're looking in a little further in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament And here in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 21 we find the following verse It says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ This word submit is a really interesting word It's at the heart of this is the idea that it's not my way, but it's actually your way or our way, if you like. Submission is something that's almost countercultural in today's world. In today's world, people are just thinking, well, hey, you know, what about my needs? What about what I want to have done? And unfortunately, though, that's not really the pathway to happiness. The pathway to greater happiness is to think of us and we and togetherness and inclusiveness. And so this idea of submitting to others is is carries with it the idea of authority, but also more than that, it's more than just authority. It also includes the submission of um, the things that I want just for myself. So the submissions of my desires to you, the giving over of those to my partner. And in that way, imagine if both couples did that equally and together. You would end up in this mutually satisfying relationship. It doesn't mean you, you know, there'd be no one to make decisions. Of course, you still need to get decisions made. But it's actually talking about the, the need to be right, the need to always have it your way. You could actually, in submitting to the other, in reverence for Christ, the scripture says, then that's the basis for great relationship right there, this idea of submission. And it goes on to say, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, which which carries with it the idea of um, that this is something that we do out of great respect, out of great love. And a little bit further, it says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, which actually carries with it the idea that you would be doing that with a heart which is willing to lay down itself, that you would be willing to even die for your partner. Wow, what a thought that is. Just imagine if your partner knew, fellas, that you were willing to lay down your life for her. What difference might that make to the quality of your togetherness, to the quality of your relationship? And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to actually think of it in that way. And the, the scripture goes on to actually say, well, the way you care for your own body, like no one wants to wreck their own body, although, hey, we do sometimes with the way we eat. Um, but here, you know, no one wants to wreck their own body, and so they take care of it. They, they wash themselves, they bath themselves, they comb their hair, they, they, they tend and care for it in the same way, only more so. We should be willing to care for the needs and wants of our partner. And, yeah, that means caring for their needs. And those needs might be any range of different things. They might be emotional needs. They might be need for financials, finances and security and might be sexual needs that they have that, that you need to be part of integrating into their life to take care of those needs. Paul goes on and he says, So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Really interesting the choice of words he uses there. Wish we had a lot more time to unpack, though the nuanced differences between love and respect. But at the heart of a great relationship is the idea 
that that would be taking place in the home. So coaching question for you today. What's something that you could actually do today, tonight, that you would cause you to love your wife even more so that you would feel honored, treasured, and respected? And what's something, ladies, that you could do that would respect your man today so that he would feel a little taller, walk a little straighter, and be a little more proud and feel a little more manly? Whatever your answer to that is, know that at the heart of that is what God's ideal for your relationship is to be that for each other. Well, hey, you're on Faith FM. Stick around. We've got plenty more coming up right after this. Always enjoy what Neil has to say. And we're back with our question and answer segment where you get to send us a question. We choose one of the questions that comes in and answer it as question of the day. And so if you would like to be a part of the Q&A section and you have a question that is just eating away at your mind, you would like an answer. Or maybe you just like to challenge Christopher here and say, oh, "This young guy, let's see if we can oh, stump hey. him on. Let's see if we can stump him on something." I accept the challenge. I think. I think. <laughs> I think we can probably find some mates of Christopher's that can. Uh, if you're listening out there, any one of Christopher's mates, then um, don't encourage yeah. them while they actually. <laughs> will. Yeah, they'll, come they'll, on, this is your opportunity. They'll call in and stump me. You watch. Send it in. <laughs> send it in. Okay. So our question of the day. Is, oh, before we get to that, just a reminder: um, if you'd like to send one through, you can send it through on one eight hundred three two four eight four. Three, you can text it, which is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Don't forget for our delayed uh, listeners uh, that you can listen to us live at faithfm.com.au or use the TuneIn app to listen to us on your phone and use your phone, obviously through your car radio, whatever. Um, Faith, Faith FM Australia. So that way you can get us live and uh, you won't get the delayed broadcast. Okay. Question of the day. Do we have guardian angels? Ooh, good question. Yes. You got a Bible verse on this, Phil? I think I do. There's okay. a text in Matthew 18 and verse 10, mm-hmm. and here's what it says. It says, um, See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So it says, they're, they're angels. Yeah, the word there is the critical key word right here, isn't it? Mm, that's it. Because the Bible does not speak about a guardian angel. The concept of guardian angel is a term that Christians have coined based off this passage right here. Mm. The Bible says that it is their angels. So in other words, there is an angel that belongs to you. So this angel assigned to you at uh, conception and spends their life as your you know, your guardian angels. Here's some really... Excuse me. <laughs> nearly hiccuped into the microphone right now. <laughs> Been having trouble with that this morning. Okay, so here's the really, really good news. Mm-hmm. God does not leave us alone here on this earth. Yeah. We live in an earth where sometimes we think, wow, it just feels like we're surrounded by all kinds of, you know, really negative powers, you know, evil angels, spirits, demons, and so forth, and we can feel really, really oppressed. But do not forget that there is always a righteous, pure, holy angel standing right there next to you beside you Mm. and somebody who regularly sees the face of the father yeah uh do you remember that story there's a there's a man a prophet called elisha Mm -hmm. and he's inside the city and they're being invaded by uh, enemies awesome story yeah and uh elisha's like kind of protege he comes up to him and he says elisha things are bad the city's getting invaded what do we do dothan was like a nothing town it did have a wall Oh, I'm glad it, it didn't have at least a wall. But it was a very minor wall. This was a nothing town. And, yeah. And as they're surrounded by Syrians who were the world superpower at that time, there's no wonder that his um, <laughs> his, his protege was like, uh, this is not going to go well. Yeah, should, should we get out of here? Should we bail? And then Elisha just says, uh, you know, there are more of there are more on our side than there are on their side. Yeah, we outnumber them. Yeah, and the, the protege guy's just scratching his head. He's looking around the city. He's like, Dothan was about five acres. Yeah, he goes, yeah, I don't see this, Elisha. I'm not <laughs> sure what you're seeing. And so Elisha prays to God. He says, God, open up my, my protege's eyes. Let him see what he's not seeing. And then immediately the protege is able to see an army of angels around the city yeah. protecting them and Suddenly, he realizes, he wakes up, he goes, oh, okay, you're, you're thinking 
spiritually, there's these these angels, at, and we'd coin them guardian angels, all around this city. Yeah. And that's how they outnumbered them. And the simple reality is that God would send a legion of angels to your assistance rather than see you fall into temptation. Yeah. You know, there is always a way of escape. There is always a way of escape from temptation. You know, this was for Elisha. This was somewhere where he faced imminent physical death, destruction. Yeah. uh, Along with the whole city. And, you know, God just sends a whole legion of angels down there. And, you know, when you're struggling with something in your personal life, whatever it might be, you are never alone. God is willing to send a legion of angels, if necessary, to rescue you from that situation. We're going to listen to Carly Fletcher at this time. Sleep sweetly. Carly Fletcher, sleep sweetly. We have come to the end of our section of the breakfast show, Christopher. Oh, man, it goes so quickly. I it's don't been even a know good morning. I've enjoyed it very much. We've got into all kinds of deep stuff today, and I love to get into deep stuff. It makes our mornings so much more worthwhile. This is oh, yeah. this is the the Christian radio breakfast show with depth. That's it. I, I tell you what, I'm always alert and re- my mind is ready for the rest of the day after yeah, this. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Okay, so just a couple of quick things to run over as we come to the end of the day. We have a gift to give away. We do. And to receive the gift, you need to give us a call and our number is 1-800-324-843. Um, and when you call through, you need to do a number of things. Number one, you need to give us your details. Mm-hmm. Don't call up and say, hey, my name is Jack and I'd like the gift and then hang up again because we won't know who you are. <laughs> you also need to tell us the gift that you are calling for. So you can't come up, call up at 7 o'clock in the morning and say, oh, I'm the first caller through for the free gift. No, <laughs> you don't know what it is. You've got to wait until we announce it. What is it? What are we announcing? All right. So the gift we are giving away today is called Prayers and Devotions to Experience the Baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a book by Dennis Smith. That's a long title. It is. It's a mouthful. But here's the awesome thing about this book. The premise of it is you will read through this in 10 days and each day learn a little bit more. It's actually called 10 days. 
It is, yeah, I actually read the subtitle, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to give away the 10 days part. I thought that was cool. All right, all right, all right, right so cool. you can call up and just ask for 10 say, days. That's a, that's, a, that's a really short title, it's 10 days. Give us a call uh, to receive 10 days and uh, be the first caller through, but keep telling us about the book. I, I'm really, really excited about yeah, this one. So each day is going to explain a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. We were talking about today how we have a little bit of, you know, that bent in the human nature, and really the asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit is asking for right here, right now, to be able to kind of fix that bent a bit and each day yes. become more and more in the character and image of God, to really just Absolutely. ask God for His will. So this is an amazing book. And it, again, 10 days, 10 days for that? Man, sign me up. You can, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You can make amazing changes in your spiritual life in 10 days. And if it's you're still great. feeling spiritual flat, spiritually flat or anything like that, then uh, definitely give us a call. You can also text us on 0491 uh, Be the first caller through and this book will be yours. Okay, so a couple of things we need to run through as we finish off today's show. First of all, for our delayed listeners, don't forget, if you'd like to hear the live show, which is so much more exciting. It's so good. (laughs) And it gives you the opportunity to call us up and have a chat and so forth. Then uh, you can listen to us live at faithfm.com.au. Or you can use the TuneIn app, TuneIn it's called, app, um, and to listen to us uh, in the car or mobile, wherever. Um, Faith FM Australia and it will come up right there for you there is more great programming coming up right after this don't go anywhere you are listening to Faith FM and we are going to head on out now with Henry Higgins I need you every hour 